Hello, thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Wise Content Creates Wealth. You've heard that content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. <laughs> wise content is data intelligence driven storytelling content created for promotional sales and marketing purposes. It is the heart of modern marketing. And without it, digital marketers will fall behind their competition, lose connectivity with their customers, and ultimately fail at being profitable. This podcast investigates the art, science, tech, and people that make wise content successful. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, and I am a marketing technology expert who has built multi-million dollar companies, created award-winning technology, and successfully implemented viral content campaigns. Today, we're going to talk about communicating with purpose. First, have you ever heard of a chat bot? I assume so because they've become somewhat uniform online for customer service or ubiquitous. Uh, and they've become an important tool in marketing and improving customer satisfactions. In a sense, in essence, a chat box is an artificial intelligent program that chats with you. Uh, and it provides you information and support. And a little box that pops up on most of the websites is where you've probably seen uh, things happening. Do things like book through you or connect you to the right person to talk to. Uh, and they are used to create really powerful interactions with users to aid business processes and to gain information. Uh, and chatbots are also used by search engines to uh, to uh, find new things on the internet and, and archive uh, new pages for future search. Um, and then bots, bots have been used for malicious purposes, uh, but essentially it's a digi it's, it is digital code with, uh, uh, with text and messaging as it's, uh, or voice-based applications. Um, and there's well-known ones, well ones, you know, Siri and Google and Alexa, so voice-based uh, chat box exists, and you probably use them every day. But there was a time when they did not exist. First bot was Eliza, and it was created by Joseph Weizenbaum in 1966, and it used pattern matching and substitution methodology to simulate a conversation. So it, it would it would match the structure of the sentence, and then go match it against possible um, 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 you know responses, and bring out a response. And it was designed in a way to try to mimic human conversation, and it worked by. Um, passing the words that the user entered into a computer and then pairing it to the loss, the list of possible uh, scripted responses. And, and it, and it's, and it was patterned mostly after a psychotherapist. Um, and it proved and eventually have a significant impact on natural learning processing and unnatural intelligence, AI intelligence, and with copies and variants being produced in academies all over the country. It was quite successful. However, Weizenbrum, was troubled by the reactions of the user. He intended Eliza to be a mere caricature of human conversation, that suddenly users were combining their most profound thoughts in Eliza. Experts were declaring that chatbots would be indistinguishable from humans within a small number of years. And Weizenbaum had rejected that notion that the machines could replace human intellect. He, he had argued instead that the, the such devices were tools and extensions of the human mind. His, he, he, um, he, was, he, was, he stressed that the computer's understanding of language entirely depended on the context in which they were used. Um, and so he actually created this 
chatbot to prove that it couldn't uh, ever be successful at reproducing human interaction, human conversations. But many people believed it at the time. It created such a, a bit of a stir. Um, and then many people built upon it, uh, 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 the, the, his beginnings over the years. And eventually, um, they, some of them started passing, let's put quotes around passing, the Turing test, right? Uh, the Turing test was uh, originally an imitation game created by Alan Turing in 1915 to test a machine's ability to exhibit intelligent behavior. And it basically would have conversations. It should be able to have conversations and fool a certain percentage of humans on a board or, you know, evaluating judge, uh, judges. And if it pat, you know, fooled a certain number of them, but they couldn't tell whether they were having a conversation with a human or machine, then it considered passing the, t- the, the Turing test. Um, and, you know, this was supposed to be a big point in, uh, in the evolution of artificial intelligence. And he, he, Turing actually projected that the, you know, by the year 2000 or so, that, uh, that computer chats, would, you know, uh, conversations would be able to actually fool 30% of the people uh, on a judging board. Right. And um, and in fact, in uh, 2001, a chatbot called Eugene Goostman um, was regarded by some. That's why I put quotes on the passing as having passed the Turing test um, because they did something clever. They made it into a 13 year old Ukrainian boy uh, m- mimicking a Ukrainian boy and had, which had quirks and and little things that made it charming. And so it did fool uh, 30% of the people, not so much based upon the content of what he had to say, but just on the quirkiness and, and charm of the, of, the, uh, of the thing. So some people say that doesn't call it, that, that didn't you know, result in it passing the test. But there's been others that have passed that uh, since. Now, debates about whether computers can reproduce human conversations is important in when we're talking about content, because... You know, now there's a new standard called OpenAI um, that's creating things like GPT-3, which is, uh, uh, which is, you know, sets of, you know, algorithms and, and tools to help produce content that's supposed to be uh, computer generated, but simulate human interaction. And people are debating whether, you know, the days of human creativity are coming to an end. So somebody who is, somebody who is intimately familiar with this discussion is Alexander Derrida. Alexander has designed dozens of technologies ranging from artificial intelligence to application development and marketing technology. He has worked with startups and Fortune 500 companies. He is a co-founder, CTO, and creator of the AI-powered Content Performance Editor, Inc. Hello, Andrew, Alexander. Hi, Joseph, and thank you for having me. Sure. So you live in Texas now. We were talking about your wonderful neighborhood earlier, but you were originally from Belgium. Yeah, Belgium, correct? Correct. Originally from Belgium? Yeah, so how did you end up in the USA? Well, I I was traveling, met my wife here. So um, we I, I moved in uh, 2006 here. Really? So, cool. Yeah. And um, when did you start learning to code? Um, I got my first computer at age 13 and pretty much started right away. Um, it was a... Um, 386 Intel computer um, running MS-DOS. I didn't have Windows yet, and um, I was already uh, manipulating 
uh, DOS with batch scripts. Then uh, Windows came out. And I remember uh, my friend and I wanted to translate it to Dutch. And so we were hacking the Microsoft Windows files. Uh, it was Windows uh, 3.1 or 11. Uh, shortly after that, I, I uh, picked up Pascal. Um, and um, then after that, the internet became a thing. I was around, you know, maybe 16 when I started having access to the internet. And I got fascinated with the web as a development platform. I uh, started learning Perl, CGI scripts. Um, um, my computer started running Linux all of a sudden. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the rest is history. Went to uh, school for computer science, University of Ghent. And um, I've, I've been always fascinated by uh, the how and why humans make decisions and um, the choices we make in life and personally. And, um, and so I, I focused on the intersection of like human behavior and technology as kind of um, uh, a focus area. And then my playground has been the internet. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, you know, looking at your history and you got into SEO too, which is not exactly coding. So how did you get into uh, search engine optimization? Well, um, human behavior and, and algorithm behavior are, have a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, if, you, um, if you publish some content, um, Google's got to like your content. <laughs> <to rank. laughs> and um, much, you know, there's this uh, old movie, it's called What Women Want. If only we could like really understand that language, oh, right? <laughs> but what about Google? It's like, what does Google really want? And um, and ultimately, what Google wants is driven by humans, by human psychology. What humans want is what Google ends up wanting, and um, they, you know they they use something called rank brain, right, to to learn from humans what how they respond to different types of content. And then Google will reward that content. And so that's how it kind of um, relates to my area of interest. And it did help that my first job out of uh, university was for a, um, a company in Ghent, Belgium called Marquet at the time. Um, one of the uh, visionaries there, Kuhn de Nolf, um, is, is still active today. I believe his uh, company now is called The Fat Lady. Uh, he's definitely one of the content marketing luminaries of uh, of Belgium. I had I had a chance to work at his company, and um, I I was able to apply um, this internet technology to um, to their marketing campaigns. Now these were omni-channel marketing campaigns, and I just had a blast. Um, I all but invented, not knowing this existed or was about to exist. Uh, email tracking pixel to see how campaigns were going. I remember um, it was the time of uh, <coughs> flash websites and um, I refused to code an action script because it was going to die. So uh, my boss let me, let me do the same thing in JavaScript. Oh, wow. Stur stubbornly took me five times as long. Back in the day, we didn't have all those fancy libraries as, as yeah. they, they, they exist now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a blast. I mean, this was the typical um, 
kind of what became typical for like Silicon Valley, ping pong table, um, like lounge chairs, um, brainstorming, creativity. And I just loved it. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, um, I know about that action script though, you know, I'm, besides being a, a, a coder and SEO, I, I was, a, I was a, I'm an artist as well. I did a lot of network-based art back in the 90s and 2000s, and a good percentage of it got done in Flash because that was like the hip thing to do, you know, uh, art at the time. And I and I knew when I did the action script and the stuff like that, I knew it was like, well, this is going to be a problem. But I also thought, you know, museums, were, they were talking about it at the time that they were going to do things to, you know, to try to, you know, maintain the providence and you know you know upgrade and things like that and they haven't done stuff and i got things in museums that don't work now and so now i'm i'm sitting here going okay well i'm gonna have to convert all that stuff for them uh it's a real pain but you know obsolescence is uh is part of the uh, the, the the problem with the whole internet uh thing so essentially you got into seo as a hacker <laughs> i love figuring out how things work yeah all right, cool. Well, we're going to take a break now and come back and talk more about uh, you, how you got into AI. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest, Alexander DeRitter. So, Alex, you um, you were a SEO and you, you, you co-founded an SEO agency, right? Yeah, around uh, 2015. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, was that a success? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. It still is today. It's Are you still part of it? Uh, I consult, um, yeah. but um, as of November uh, last year, um, the ag- ag- agency Edgy Labs got acquired by uh, Compass UOL. Mm-hmm. An amazing, an amazing group of. Um, I know Compass. Developers. Yeah. 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 Cool. We're, yep. we're trying to bring SEO-led developments to the world of digital uh, <laughs> transformation. You're trying, project. Tech, you're trying to get technology people to embrace SEO. <laughs> well, they have to. They have to. <laughs> yeah. So one of the veins of our existence is. You want to stay relevant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, like. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, you're a tech guy, so you know that you know we you know both sides of that equation as I do. So, how did you get into AI coding? All right, so um, uh, when I came to the United States, um, I briefly worked for um, I briefly worked for a financial company, um, and then 2008 happened. <laughs> you know yeah. what happens to financial companies, um, and then shortly after, I started. Um, I was an independent contractor, started working for myself consulting, and uh, I had the opportunity to work for um, a wonderful person, Moses, um, at, um, at a company that was uh, building um, interactive kiosks for, um, for retail stores, airports, things like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, we had the idea to, um, to kind of apply principles of SEO and cookies and, and, and analytics to uh, cameras in, uh, in display advertising. So let's say you walk in a mall and uh, you would look at an ad, um, but you know maybe it is ad- advertising a perfume for women um, or a woman's shoe when you're a man. And so we figured um, we can make analytics um, we can make analytics from, from camera an analysis and make this uh, advertorial content more relevant. Same way you would target people online with, um, with like more information and target your ads better. That didn't really exist in the physical world. Uh, so to do that, um, you know, we had to solve that with machine learning. Now, in, in 2009, 2010, uh, th- this field was not established like it is today um neural networks were not a thing uh hardware acceleration was not a thing aws did not just have a whole bunch of servers for machine learning you had to do all local on bare metal um and that's kind of the origin the origin stories of how i got involved in uh in machine learning so it's been it's been more than 10 years um and and you know i would i wouldn't say the inception but i would say that um, not that, not since the inception of ML, because it predates even my birth date. But uh, <laughs> cer- certainly, the uh, I certainly was active in machine learning before it started changing everything in our lives. Right. You know, I um, I did AI is in back back at Duke in the eighties, and you know, machine language learning was really far off then, and we were doing things like alphabet searches, and we were trying to create. You know, you know, things that rate the algorithm, you know, rate the, the success of outcomes. And it was all about being the, having the best algorithms for figuring out what the success of outcomes and then go down all the iterations. You know, it's like yeah. and machine language is just taking, you know, taking that all away. <laughs> so um, 
you, uh, I mean, you mentioned in, in, uh, in November, you basically sold your, your, your company and uh, you created something called the Inc., right? Right. Uh, and how did you, was that something, an idea that you had all along or did you, or was it just the stimulus of making a transition that caused it to, you to create it? So the inception and the idea predates Edgy. Um, and um, it, it kind of stemmed from uh, my experience in machine learning around the year uh, 2012, um, when uh, Facebook said, hey, we can now detect cats and pictures. And they showed the world how we know the world was going to end, right? <laughs> cats, <laughs> cats and the internet. Um, so um, the, the reason why is that uh, the approach for um, machine learning AI, com- the paradigm just completely shifted. All of a sudden, you started having hardware like CUDA acceleration um, and neural networks changed how you made stuff. Um, and at that time, you know, having a marketing experience and background, I couldn't help myself but think like, this is going to change Google search. Google is going to adapt and start using this for everything. Mm-hmm. And um, you may remember the time with uh, Google, like just um, ranking sites purely on on backlinks and, yeah, and things and like pushing, that. pushing keywords and content stuffing. Yeah, exactly right. right. So, um, you know, the, what was the next frontier for Google? Well, you know, increase the quality of content. Make sure that the the, the content that was served was actually relevant to the searcher. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it used to be that you had to be like really, really good to to search Google. You had to know exactly what to type in to find the page you were looking for. But nowadays you can type in like something related and Google almost like reads your mind. Oh, yeah, yeah. no, that, that's what you're looking for. Oh, I know it. It's that time of day and you're hungry. Uh, that's what you really wanted, right? Right. Um, so so, so for pizza, you're looking for delivery. <laughs> yeah. So we, we had this idea that... Um, that this, this, this innovation, this shift in the industry and technology would completely change search forever. And uh, my partners, Gary and Michael, we had, um, we had this casual conversation. Um, and, um, and, 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 and Michael, basically, the CEO, he said uh, basically to me, like, okay, you have a great idea, prove it. <laughs> That's how he operates, right? Um, so, so we, 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 I proved it, all right. Um, now, at first, this was a manual method. And then the manual method turned into a service agency. That was, it was and is very profitable, amazing company. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they're always hiring, I heard. So, <laughs> uh, and, and um, yeah, if you want to be among the best at SEO, uh, but then Inc. basically uh, became the the AI automated component, the, the way that this theory, this rank candidate theory became incorporated into a product. Um, funny story is as well, when we started Edgy, um, like before we started Edgy, we were, we already had decided, like, we want to partner together. We fit really well together. We complement each other. We... Um, we share each other's values. We're going to do great things. But then the question for a while was, what kind of company are we going to start? And uh, I remember saying to Michael, um, you know, 
I'm down for anything. I prefer to build product, but um, I do not want to start an SEO agency. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, why? You're so good at SEO. And I said, well, you know, you, you know, I, I kind of am, but I said that people that really know SEO don't talk about it. They do it for themselves. Right. You build your own, your own, own companies, which is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Right. And uh, it just so happened that Gary, our other partner, had a phenomenal, phenomenal network um, uh, in, in, in kind of the Fortune 100 space. And they were able to bring us some like real amazing contracts with unbelievable companies. And um, we were able to we were able to um, really uh, learn firsthand what it looked like to solve these SEO content problems at mm -hmm. and kind of an enterprise scale. And mm -hmm. I believe that these earned insights have allowed us to build something incredible at Inc. Right. So Inc is, um, what is the, what, you know, for somebody that's wanting to understand what it, what is it, what it is, what is the problem that's solving right now? Yeah. Um, well, um, the, the main problem that um, we sought to solve was that content creators are not SEOs and SEOs are not often good writers. Right. And, and so when you need to scale your content marketing, you need to rely on your writers to produce content that is not just, you know, true to your brand tone and voice and, and so forth, but also will please the, you know, the Google black box or, or your Amazon product description guy, the Amazon black box and, and so forth. And so writers did not have any kind of like real-time feedback to know how well their content was doing. Should I keep writing? Did I write enough? Mm -hmm. Is Google going to like this? Is it not going to like this? Ink solves that problem completely and forever. Um, and then as we, <laughs> yeah, and as we then implemented scoring and feedback, people started asking as well. Um, I like the scoring and all, but it's taking me a while to optimize my article. And I need to spend more time than I used to. I don't really like this. And we're like, okay, we really listened to that. And um, then we started incorporating uh, natural language generation, which is AI that can help you write mm -hmm. um, into the product. But then we went a step further. Then we started combining our unique insights that we have gained from competitive analysis. And we started infusing that with natural language generation to create an entirely new movement called natural language optimization. Mm -hmm. right? So we believe that the future of content marketing is, um, is the performing web. It's content that performs. Right. That means content needs to get found. It needs to engage and convert. Twice content. <laughs> exactly. Um, listen, we got to take a break, um, but I just uh, want to come back and we'll talk more about how you, how you uh, build and built and patented this engine. All right. Howdy. Hey, Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. 
passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast and my guest, Alexander DeRitter. So, Alex, I, you know, I went and looked at your site and you got a bunch of tools in there, right? Uh, but you also have the download of an editor, it looks like, right? And I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. I haven't had a chance to yet. I was up watching the Duke game until all hours last night. <laughs> but um, what would you recommend somebody to go start using uh of all those tools i mean you had an amazing number there uh, or just the editor does it incorporate those tools yeah so um i want I, I want you to think of um of ink for all.com kind of like a canva but for content okay right so you you know you can create all kinds of content with ink and so the answer on what to start with kind of depends on what your goal is um the editor, the editor, the downloadable editor for Windows, Mac, and Linux is our kind of original product. It's our most full-featured product. It, it literally contains everything we have to offer. Uh, but uniquely, it uh, is uh, focused around creating long-form content that will also uh, perform well online, whether it be uh, getting found in Google or your product descriptions in Amazon or whatnot. Uh, whether it be um, optimizing your headlines for uh, more clicks with emotional intelligence or whether it is to be more persuasive and get more conversion. So the editor download is really the gold standard of what we have to offer. Um, And then we have uh, all these uh, web tools that let you generate with AI anything you can imagine from social media content to email to uh, brainstorm domains and business ideas to um, copywriting formulas, figuring out your benefits from your features, to um, uh, content outlines. Uh, There's really like too many to mention. And um, the next few months we're going to be, I believe, a little bird told me that we might be doubling our tools in the next few months. So <laughs> you uh, have like a hundred of them there. Right? That's going to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 content for everybody, anytime, anywhere, and you can access that on on our site. 
um, all, with, with just a few clicks, you can get going. And then we just launched our Chrome extension and our Chrome extension is more like a, um, it's a, it's more like, um, like Grammarly works. It's more about the, um, removing any insecurity you may have when you're trying to figure out how to express yourself. Right. So what it does is it will, it will rewrite text for you. And in, do, in doing so, all you have to do is just select some text you want it to rewrite and ink will like pop up with like 10 ways to rephrase it. And in the process, it will fix spelling, grammar, style. It will compose it in different ways. It's a great plagiarism buster. Students, teachers don't pay attention right now. Okay? Yeah, right. Yeah. Look, look, the other, <laughs> look the other way. It's, it's an amazing extension. And, and, you know, it's kind of the, the bootloader or the start menu, if you, if you will, for everything else ink has to offer. Um, where we have uh, built first this uh, downloadable writing software, which is amazing. Uh, but we did listen to our users and we understand there's some friction with downloading software. I think the downloadable software is always going to be the highest quality, purest experience of ink. Right. Uh, but we did listen carefully. So you're kind of, when you visit our site, you're kind of watching a company in transition as we're lifting a lot of our capabilities and AIs into becoming API enabled, uh, web enabled, and um, kind of being where people already are writing. So we are, we have great technology, but we want to make it even more accessible so we can be everywhere you write and kind of have it right at your fingertips. Great. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for example, a guy like me, I'm, you know, I have, uh, I travel a lot and I don't even like to carry a computer, you know, because it's, you know, it's heavy and things like that, even if it's the smallest ones. Uh, so I, I have computers everywhere I'm going to be, you know, for most of the time. So if I go there, I like to have everything be web-based, you know, it's like, you know, so I can, uh, and I think there's a lot of people that like that, but I can, I, you know, I, I can understand also having that sort of pure experience and where you control the environment 100%. Right. So you, uh, you built and patented this, uh, an AI semantic engine, engine, right? What is it? Yeah. How, how did you do that? What, what, what did you do? Well, uh, it may have involved calling a patent attorney. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, but I mean, you had to create something. I mean, you, I, you use GPT-3, right? Well, no, our original patent uh, has nothing to do with GPT-3, right? Really? So, right. yeah, our, uh, it, it actually predates uh, GPT-3. Um, so what we're using is... Yeah, can we go technical for this audience or should I try? Sure, to we can. Yeah, you know, I mean, we don't want to go like 10 minutes of technical, but go a couple minutes of technical. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll try to do hybrid. Okay. Um, so what we're doing is we're creating a semantic embedding, which is a vector that we can then compare to other vectors. And so a semantic embedding basically encodes in data format, the meaning of text. So it maps uh, words to the concept, words and sentences to the concepts they represent. Okay. And then it has an attention mechanism to figure out when you like scan an entire article, which concepts uh, require more attention. So it has an attention mechanism to say, these are the most important concepts. After you have such a vector, it's basically a representation of what the article is all about, what concepts right. are in there. And what now what you can do is you can you can look at the top results in Google and basically for each top result, you can say, what was this all about? You have such a vector. And what you then can do is you can feed all of these, uh, what we call like fingerprints or 
semantic embeddings, you can feed all of those in a second artificial intelligence that then basically finds the patterns. Mm -hmm. And so um, you can basically say, well, you know, the high ranking content on first page of Google has these semantic concepts in common, these ideas in common, whereas the ones that don't reach page one are missing these ideas. And so that then creates a, a new a new kind of AI model that represents what Google is looking for. Right. right? And now you're, you're essentially just, uh, you, you reproduce the brain brain in a sense, right? Well, you know, our lawyer did say, I, I can't confirm or deny that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, I could guess. Right. So, so, but the, the benefit is now, and this is a real cool stuff. So as you're writing in, in real time, the same AI is producing an embedding about your article, basically figuring out what has Joseph already written, uh, written so far, and then it compares it to what Google's looking for. And then with some simple subtraction, we can find out what's missing. And that's how the, the ink score is born. So the ink score takes a look at how relevant your article is, and, and, and how likely Google will be satisfied with its informational quality. So it is not, it's very important to note this uh, because our competitors are um, kind of still using the training wheels of this approach. Right. They're counting how many times you use a certain word and right. that can encourage you to keyword stuff. Whereas Inc's AI is patented, um, is using a semantic approach. So it's, it really works the way that Google works is looking at the, that's the way it does. Yeah, quality of right. information. And then what we did is then we, uh, we looked at all of the other factors that go into making text engaging, uh, uh, the, the length, the style, passive voice use, everything from spelling and grammar. And then what we, then, then what we did is a large study to figure out uh, to what extent each individual element plays a role in predicting a possible first page of Google result. And right. so when, when we uh, mapped it all out, we saw that, wow, we, uh, we, we are now able by just blindly not knowing what site it's on, how many backlinks it has or anything. We just look at the content. Mm-hmm. We are able to predict the, if a, a piece of content would be on the first page of Google, 450% more likely if it scores over a 90%. Interesting. So you could actually just, you're saying you can create content uh, fresh from a fresh site and you actually have a good chance of ranking it, even though the site might have no links. And uh, exactly. Interesting. That's and we did that. And we've proven yeah. that too with case studies. Uh, yeah. We have, we have a case study where um, somebody just wrote 60 pieces of content on a brand new site. And mm-hmm. within five months pulled in 200,000 visitors. So uh, for you marketers month. out there listening, this is important. All right. Now, this is what this is where things are going. It's content itself will be the ranking factor. The content itself will be what will get you noticed. There's not going to be a lot of tricks and things like that. It's going to be the uh, the nature of the content, right? Yeah. And, the future and- the future of search is uh, summed up in two words, right? It's trust and engagement. Yeah. Right. And and so the quality of your content can build both. Yeah. So, um, and, and can, are you at the point now where, you know, when writers talk about writing content, right? 
uh, and we have this all the time. You know, we have we've had to do lots of content. At one point, we were doing four thousand pieces of content a month for one company. Wow. But it was, we had to do we had you you had to do it in different voices. Are you able to do different voices? Yeah. Um, so one thing we learned while working with enterprise clients is that they really care about their brand tone and voice. Yeah. And uh, you know the creative agencies um, will oftentimes. If you try to write for them, they're going to like say, this is horrible. <laughs> this of will course. never get published, right? Mm. So we understand that different, different writers and different companies have different needs for content. So this is why um, we didn't create like a tool where you plug in your keyword and you hit a button and AI writes something. That's not how Ink works. Ink is kind of a, a human machine interface collaboration. Think of it like a... Like a how, how a bicycle, how was, how, yeah, I saw this video the other day. I thought it was hilarious uh, until, I'll tell you until when, but it was basically an ostrich chasing two cyclists. And <laughs> I thought it was hilarious because the, the, the human being can never outrun an ostrich unless it has a bicycle to help him. And so that's how you got to think about ink. And I thought the video was hilarious until I realized that somebody ought to be filming that ostrich from the back for me to enjoy that video. And perhaps the ostrich wasn't chasing the cyclist in the first place, but was running away from the car behind it. Ah. <laughs> oh, so you made your own joke. Up. <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how your mind works. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Um, so, um, yeah. So where do you think this is going? What's the future here for you? Oh, golly. So we're, we're at a special moment in time. And the, the technologies, GPT-3 and so forth, right? Um, which we have adopted and made our own and elevated with natural language optimization. Right? That's kind of natural. The quality of content is what comes after the AI generation of content. Mm -hmm. So a AI can generate and write like a, like you said, like a Ukrainian 13 year old or something. Right, right. right. But um, I, what, the way we see it is that open AI's model is like um, a high school student that can write. But then you have to go to university and you have to learn journalism and you have to learn marketing and you have to learn how to uh -huh. adapt your writing. And that is what, ink, what, what we are going to be. So after all the hype will die down of um, OpenAI and all of these companies that do AI writing, then people are going to look around and say like, oh, but actually I want, I want to differentiate because well, all this AI generated content is spamming the internet, is filling the internet. And Google's going to be like, oh yeah, I don't want to rank all that. AI generated content. I want rank the best quality content. Exactly. That's what I said last. I said recently is that, you know, at some point their business model will be screwed if you can just make AI generated content and, and that, that gets ranked. So it's going to be, there's going to be a lot more intelligence yeah. to go into it. So that's and we have to take a quick break and then we'll come back and finish up with some, you know, things about what your company's going and where it's going and, you know, any kind of shout outs you want to have. All right. All right. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hi, this is Joseph Franklin McElroy, back with the Wise Content Creates Wealth podcast, and my guest, Alexander De Ritter. So, Alexander, you know, one of the things uh, you mentioned, and I just wanted to touch on it because it was interesting to me, you have, um, you have emotional intelligence uh, features in your editor. What is that? <laughs> oh, I love this question. Um, first of all, you have never seen anything like it. Um, I haven't even heard anybody mention it. <laughs> no, this is, this is cutting edge. So your audience will learn about it. Right. I love it. So uh, there was a time, there was a time not too long ago where, uh, where people would have compiled these lists and they call them power words. Mm-hmm. And they said, include power words like amazing, exciting, best, uh, free, and include these words in all caps in your, all your headlines and all your emails and your subject that like, use them everywhere. They increase click-through rate, okay? It worked. Mm-hmm. And then the public got desensitized. Right. And now the opposite is true. I think Backlinko got acquired by SEMrush recently, but Backlinko did a, a study and they showed a power words actually reduce your, your engagement and your click-through rate now. It's like, yeah. okay, well, all right. The, the, the method is dead, but the principle is not. It was just not evolved enough. See, uh, people's emotions evolve, but we are still human beings and we still have a limbic brain. And more than 90% of our decisions that we make are made with our limbic brain or emotional brain. And so, um, and so it, it is very important to realize that um, humans, humans as, as a human, as a machine, is extremely optimized to conserve energy. And the cortex takes way more energy and burns way more calories than the limbic brain. So we cannot afford to make 100% of our decisions as rational frontal cortex people. 
We have yeah. to run basic decisions through a limbic brain, many of them, as many of them as possible. And the way we do that is by just activating our emotional brain to make quick, on-the-spot, instinctive decisions about what we're going to click on, what we're going to do. So with that insight, we, uh, we, we figured out, patented again, uh, that we could go and analyze the top ads, the top uh, engaging content on social platforms, the top ranking content online. We could read it and we, couldn't we can then reverse engineer the exact emotions these articles are appealing to, to tell yeah. you how to optimize your headline for the right emotions so that you are going to get massive click-through rate. And the best I thing about this is it does not get old because people do evolve. You just and run ink just again. just changing with everything. Yeah, it's right? great. And this, this method will never get outdated because ink is always real time and up to date. Well, you know, one of the things I do is uh, I'm in travel mostly and uh, I've been doing uh, research on what's called memorable tourism experiences because, you know, that's one of the, the couple things. It's the, the best, um, you know, it's better than even satisfaction for revisit intention and it creates great brand loyalty for people to have a memorable tourism experience. But what's a critical part of that is anticipation, which is where marketing can come in, right? So if you can trigger them to anticipate the experience by getting, it actually triggers them to click on the, the, the link when the headline. So working with how you craft those kind of uh, headlines that, that will you know, trigger the, the anticipation of a memorable experience is critical for travel, right? So I, I love that, that concept that you're working with. I think it's a great idea. Um, and I, I'm going I'm to investigate that. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the editor. Download yeah. the editor. And when you enter your keyword, look it up. It's under the headline optimization. It will, it will score your headline on how emotionally relevant it is so you can boost your click-through rates. Mm -hmm. And savvy listeners who do paid marketing might use it to boost their uh, paid campaigns too. Okay, paid campaigns. It, could be, it sounds like it could be useful. So you, you're not just text. You're a little bit in images and voice too, right? Uh, well, we're mostly focused on text right now, yeah. um, but uh, I will say that the future of search is multimodal AI, and so we do have a substantial amount of research in the background for you know yet undisclosed patents for the future, uh, where uh, where where audio, visual, text all kind of come together in a search experience. Mm -hmm. uh, Google recently did a demonstration where. Um, where it could combine kind of your geographic location with a picture from your camera and a voice search prompt that was then interpreted all together jointly to come up with the right answer. Whereas if you just had one or two pieces, you would have not had the perfect search response. Right. Well, fabulous. I, I was, uh, I guess I was, it was confusing because I saw something where you said you had an unsplash feature that imported images and we do have the, that yeah. yeah it's not it's not ai but it's a huge time saver um because when you're writing content you can quickly find a, re a relevant image and with one click it will optimize it for um with compression and resize it and it will add all text for you and it will um automatically credit the author of the picture so that you can use it without worrying uh about uh, copyright uh concerns and um, it's a great time saver. It's part of the ink editor. Not quite multimodal AI for search, but mm -hmm. it does help you uh, optimize your images for search uh, and uh, quickly add visuals to your to your article. So, what's the future for Ink the company? Oh well, we are going to dominate the content marketing industry. 
Mm -hmm. And we're going to do that when the world catches up on the fact that uh, NLG, natural language generation, and then companies are going to discover that there's this company all along who's been building for the future. And when we do, um, we're going to be the next Adobe-sized content company. And, um, and we are going to help content, um, help creators create content with purpose so that content gets found, engages, and converts. Uh, and we're going to lead the natural language optimization movement. Well, it sounds like an ambition goal. It's always nice to have those kind of goals. Yeah. <laughs> so how can um, people find out more about you or follow you or uh, you know, find out more about your company? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. You can just find me, Alexander DeRitter, on LinkedIn. Uh, my company, inkforall.com. Um, the software is all free to use. Um, there's free tiers for everything we offer. Um, and then for those who want to dabble with paid, paid uh, usage, you can get a free trial. Um, so everything is just open for everybody to test out without commitment. It's, it's just very open. Um, you can contact us as well over uh, chat, uh, email. We have a help desk. We have a Facebook community. Just go and find us in the Inc. official community on Facebook. Uh, we post a lot of the little secrets of what's coming next first over there. So um, don't miss out. Uh, don't be a stranger. If you're hearing this and you're thinking about using content to elevate your brand or you're struggling with uh, optimizing content on your writer team, uh, Ink is definitely the way to go. Check out our Chrome extension for sure. It is just such a must have. Um, even if you're subscribing to Grammarly, Ink makes Grammarly better. Uh, Grammarly can tell you what's plagiarized. Ink can just fix it with one click. Uh, <laughs> but, there you go. Well, I want to thank you for uh, being on the show today. It's been very informative, and I look forward to seeing what Ink does in the future, and, uh, and I look forward to taking advantage of it. This is, uh, you know, my company is Galileo Tech Media, and we, I have lots of writers that are, I call them cyborgs, that, were, that, that are trained on various kinds of AI tools, right? And we're always looking for to increase our cyber army and their abilities by the tools that uh, that they can use. Because it is, uh, no matter what, you know, there's a learning curve in learning these tools. And sometimes companies don't need to, you know, have to have people learn to do it. They can allow uh, teams to do that for them. And, uh, and that's what we do. And we can do that on scale. Like I said before, we've done, you know, thousands and thousands of pieces of content on a monthly basis. Um, this uh, podcast, you can find out more about it at wisecontentcreateswealth.com. It's also streamed live on facebook.com slash wisecontentcreateswealth. Um, and it is, it is aired on the talkradio.nyc network, uh, which is a network of, uh, of live podcasts every day. It ranges from small business to self-help to, you know, pets to, uh, to other kinds of uh, business opportunity and travel. I actually run another podcast on this. I mentioned those of travel. I have some travel properties, including a motel resort, country inn in the mountains. And I have a podcast called Gateway to the Smokies um, that, that airs on Tuesdays from, um, from um, 6 to 7. Where I talk about things to do in the Smoky Mountains. So uh, look me up for that. And this, this podcast runs, uh, Wise Content Creates Wealth, runs every uh, Friday from noon until one. And I hope to see you next week for both those podcasts. Uh, until then, bye.
are listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 